0: stop by flat bold and it's Adams through by bold would you believe it that
1: sums it all up through
0: the far away hello and welcome back to another episode of that sums it all up Happy New Year to you all. I hope everyone had a lovely Christmas. And of course, we're all wishing you a Happy New Year from That Sums It All, up studios. We've got a slightly different show for you today. First half, well, it's pretty normal. It's me and Johnny catching up on all things Arsenal and the Premier League. It's been a while since we last spoke to you. But actually, having looked back, it's not actually been too much going on Premier League-wise since we last spoke because of the uh, World Cup interlude. And then for the second half of the show, we have a special guest, to help us preview the weekend's North London derby. In any case, let's get on with the show and welcome back to that sums it all up, Mister Johnny Rosen. Of course.
2: Hi, Alfie. I'm well. I'm. Uh, I'm currently really enjoying the miserable weather in London. Oh yeah. Very expensive. already. Just absolutely bricking it for for Sunday's North London derby. Uh, and it, and it's only Wednesday afternoon, so it's going to be a fun four days of more and more extreme
0: uh, nausea and anxiety as we build up to kickoff. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I must say, I'm not really sharing your your anxiety and kind of obsessive thoughts about Sunday. I think maybe because my my like scheduling inside my brain is kind of like. There was no football last week, even though there was the FA Cup. So I've sort of disengaged a bit from from everything because um, I was really enjoying the resumption of the Premier League. And yeah, I guess maybe once uh, as the weekends fixtures start kicking off, I'm sure I'll pick up the pace a bit and start getting a bit bit uh, well. Start looking forward to proceedings, I suppose. But yeah, no, I'm all good. Look, we're we're going to talk about the North London Derby a bit more in part two of the show and we'll probably talk about it a bit uh towards the end of of part 1 but but let's start from the most recent occurrence uh in the arsenal world which was our 3-0 victory over oxford united uh did you watch it
2: so so i watched the second half like like you i also switched off um nearly completely over the weekend i watched chelsea man city uh, actually, in full, I watched that game on Sunday, but that was the only FA Cup game I watched in full. Uh, and then the FA Cup, the Arsenal game, I was, I was out. I finished work. I went. I had gone out for for dinner, and wanted to watch the whole game. But you know, I wasn't going to sort of end social plans for a third round tie. And I think, like you, I sort of enjoyed. Um, switching off a bit, having had three quite intense Premier League games back to back to back in such a short, mm. short space of time post Christmas. So I actually only got home for the second half, which by all accounts of things was the only half to watch, um, because I I've heard the football was very dire in the first half. Saw um a majestic leap from Mohamed El Neni. Really, <laughs> um I think yeah, I think that's his first header he scored for us. Not that he scored. Usually, he scores from thirty yards. So, um, only head only well. thirty yeah. yards, and uh, and a few nice finishes from Eddie, and uh, and we're on our way to get knocked out of the Etihad. So that that would be fun, but um, but yeah, we we move on. What, what were your thoughts on the game?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you, kind of, there wasn't that build up that you normally get in a Premier League game. I knew there'd be a heavily rotated side, which we saw, although maybe not as rotated as, as many people may have hoped with uh, Saka and Martinelli starting on either flank. I did watch the first half and it was like incredibly dreary and and dull. I uh, found myself sort of, you know, it doesn't happen often if I'm watching Arsenal, just my attention uh, was was being drawn elsewhere. But the second half was a lot better eventually Uh, I think the changes that we made in the second half with Granit Xhaka and Alexander Zinchenko coming on definitely made a big difference Um, and we'll talk about that a bit more but great great couple of finishes from Eddie and Ketia. great to see him on the score sheet again looking really sharp looking really confident and as we all know we're going to need his goals and we're getting his goals at the moment so the more goals, the more minutes, the more confidence, the better for all of us, I think. And also for Fabio Vieira as well to get uh two assists. I think that was great for him. Another good couple of moments in a sort of bit of a stop start uh debut season for him. I know he's had injuries and stuff like that, but you know, you really saw the quality with with those balls. You you, you talk about Al Nenny's kind of leaping header. The ball itself, I mean, the movement on it and the precision with which he delivered it from the corner was was really quite something. And then the kind of yes. reverse slip through ball to Enkatia for the for his second goal, I thought was was really quality, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, I was listening to well, I was listening to all the normal Arsenal podcasts as as you listen to as well. And I can't remember whether it was. James McNicholas on the most recent Ask Blog, or maybe it was Clive. Uh,
0: I think I think I know what you're going to say. Is it is it the Nicola Pepe comparison?
2: No, it's actually no. actually not the Pepe comparison. But I did find that interesting. What I was actually going to say is, like some one of them anyway, one of the 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 professional podcasters, <laughs> um, um, said that basically everything whenever. Whenever Vieira plays, things happen. Like, he's not an Erdegaard run the game for 90 minutes type of player, which, well, Erdegaard's sort of transitioned into that. But mm. if you go, I think he's had something like 300 minutes of football um, or less Viera's Vieira's played for us this season. And he's scored a few goals. He's got quite a few assists. And actually, he's sort of a moment player, which was similar to the Pepe comparison, but, it, it, but not in the negative way, more in the positive mm. way of I think it was um, saying if you you were to play him and Odegaard in the same team, you would maybe play Odegaard more on the left and Vieira more on the right because Vieira seems to just have that sprinkle of magic where he, he's capable of just putting in like an unbelievable cross. He, he, he plays in moments and not doesn't dictate play, Um I thought the Pepe comparison was interesting though as well, but that that was what sprung to mind with those assists was he just drops them in there and then can sort of be a bit anom- anonymous, um, which I guess that is also comparable to Pepe. So maybe that is what I was talking about. And it was of the wider <laughs> point that James was making on, on the Arse blog um, or the Arse cast. So... Yeah, that's what I was going with that. I thought, yeah, I thought he played well. I thought Eddie played well. I thought, like you said, I would have liked to see more rotation, but given the depth of our squad, I think it's understandable. Yeah. Um, mm. We didn't. I mean, I would have liked to see Cedric start, for instance. But... Well,
0: he's not even been in the squad the last two games, so I think he's he's looking like he's he's going to be going to Fulham, perhaps, or Leverkusen or Atletico. I mean, quite good clubs interested in him. I mean, you'd say yeah. no, for no for for obvious reasons. I'd say I'm not sure why they're so interested in him, but uh, he's a dressing room player. I mean, I, one thing I have heard is that
2: actually, rat internally whenever the players are asked well who's the next manager going to be mm, it's always they Cedric, Cedric. They,
0: yeah.
2: it. they always say Cedric he's done his coaching badges a few of them are men. he's done coaching badges Jacker as well um, yeah, I think God was doing a few always... of them as well yeah um, but, but actually they all point to Cedric as like not the next Arteta but sort of like emulating becoming uh, a coach very quickly after ending his play, play. And career, so I I I I I've always thought of him as quite a positive signing. Um, I think he's he's actually done an okay job. He's not great. I don't like like often when we've had to use him, he's not been great. But he clearly adds something; otherwise, he wouldn't have been kept around for this long.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, he. Well, his absence has has been. I mean, not really too noticed because we've got good depth at right back. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it looks like he might be outgoing in in the January transfer window, but there's not been too much reported on that uh, as of the last week or so. But there is talk that that Fulham are keen but don't want to pay. I think he's on something like 65K or something like that a week, maybe even a bit more, and they, they don't want to pay that. So, yeah, I guess... That's also a sizable wage that perhaps maybe would be better allocated elsewhere in the long-term future. But yeah, I agree with you. He he's fine for a squad player. I just am glad that he's not going to be lining up against Spurs or Man United like he was last season. <laughs> and he was pretty horrendous that, that, in both of those that, games. That I,
2: that I would agree with. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of Cedric and not to compare these two players to Cedric. But I guess we've spoken about the players whose light shone bright against Oxford. And there are a couple of players who maybe struggled a bit more. Um, and I say struggled a bit more because they were the two who were maybe substituted earliest. And then the game was was changed immediately after Xhaka and Zinchenko came on. I think Albert Samuel Konga has had a lot of discussion around him and his long-term future at Arsenal, I think. He's definitely a player who has struggled for minutes, but also kind of showing his his worth when he does get the chance. And I think maybe he's just one of these players, kind of similar to Nuno, Nuno Tavares, my Portuguese accent, um, who um, who kind of needs that regular football and rhythm. I mean, someone like Eddie Neketa as well, like these younger players who are sort of 22, 23, who need to play and they haven't had loads of first-team minutes previously in their careers and so can't really, you know, just be put into an FA Cup or Carabao Cup or Europa League team and then be expected to perform. Having said that, I do think the level of his performance has been quite underwhelming and he looks like a player who's lost a lot of confidence because I, I think before, you know, he was someone who, who would kind of drive forward a bit more, even in pre-season when he was playing in that left eight role. He looked quite good, um, sort of getting getting further forward into the opponent's box. But... You know, he, in the last few games that he started in the cup competitions, he sent, tends to get hooked after about 60 minutes, um, whether we're not winning or just because, you know, I think his performance levels and his contribution have been very underwhelming, especially when you compare them to what Granite Xhaka brings to the team. Um, so, yeah, a quick word on Sambi before we before we move on to uh, another another player's performance.
2: Um, I think so. I actually, I think with Sambi it's, it's a pretty obvious solution. Um, and he and he needs game time and he needs to go out on loan. It's it's it is that like Nuno to is a really apt example. And um and actually because I think the technical quality is there. We saw last season. I actually remember him starting against Aston Villa early this season when we beat them two one at home. And I thought he had a really good game look on. Yeah, Was I agree the actually. Everyone I was sitting with full of praise for him. He was spraying passes, picking the ball up from the centre back, spraying them out wide, distributing. He's not a He's never gonna I don't technically mean
0: Was he playing Jacques. instead of Thomas Partey that day, I think? And then Jacka dropped down a bit deeper, or was it uh it, was he playing was, instead of Xhaka? I think he was playing instead of Partey, you know.
2: Yeah, who was injured? Partey must have been injured.
0: I think Partey was injured, so Partey Sambi injured. played at the
2: Ball base of the field. And so was Xhaka, uh,
0: Lokonga
2: and Odegaard, I think. Let me check. What but that, but,
0: but I remember because we were playing Villa and everyone thought that Douglas Luiz was going to be joining Arsenal, um, yeah. which was also a kind of uh, indicator of how maybe Arteta viewed laconga as our kind of only midfield option given the injuries even though there are shorter term injuries to Elneny and Partey that we kind of abandoned plans to maybe sign someone like Marcelo Mudric in in uh, in the trans- in the summer transfer window because we were desperate for a midfielder when we actually had one but clearly Arteta is not convinced that he can do it um for the long run like we saw at the although, end of last season as well, because, you know, he, he played a bit and then was taken out of the firing line and Elneny sort of yeah. came in in his place.
2: No, I do. I mean, although I think even with a fit look on, we're still probably a midfielder light. Mm. Um, but no, yeah, I was just thinking on But Yeah, it's a low, it's a low move. You're right, he's, he clearly is, he's very young. He's a confidence player or as young players often are, they rely heavily upon their confidence. You know, very highly rated technically in Belgium, you know, was captain of Andelect in his teens or early 20s, has represented the Belgian national team multiple times, which you don't do unless you're a very good footballer. You don't just walk mm. into that midfield if you've got, um, I mean, we take Leandro Trossard for an example. I know he's slightly more attacking, but it's taken him quite a few consistent seasons really performing at a high level for Brighton to then get mm. into the Belgium setup. Um His attitude maybe is one that comes into question a bit more. Is he um, or does he have the right mindset to come back from setbacks which I guess we're, we're sort of finding out in real time at the moment and I think how he responds to a loan move would be, um, would be very telling. But I'm not I'm not overly worried about him. His performances haven't been great, but then you look at our fixtures uh, and unless there's an injury or two, he's probably not going to be playing that many more games this season. You know, we're out of the Carabao Cup. Maybe he starts at the Etihad, although I I think it will be unlikely, to be honest. I think it will probably be a midfield three of maybe Arneny, Xhaka and Odegaard. Um, And he's not starting the Prem. Or oh, really coming on. And then in the Europa League, maybe if we get a favorable draw in the last 16, but then it's, we're into the quarterfinals and it's going to be a strong lineup. So I don't see any minutes yeah. for him. I, if I was, if I go out on loan in January.
0: Yeah, I think, look, I don't think it's a possibility mm. that he'll go out on loan in January just because of the shortage we have in that position already. And the fact that someone like Thomas Partey, he's not going to be able to play the Premier League game on the Sunday and then then the Europa League game on the Wednesday and then the Sunday and then the Wednesday he just won't be able to do it and I know we have Elneny in that position too but I think you know we'd only let Lukonga out on loan if we were going to sign a replacement which might happen maybe but I think you know there are definitely other priorities in this window and as we know it's quite difficult to sort of get the business done that you want to at the right price in January as well. Would you recall Patino and send Lecongo out on loan in the January window? Genuine question. It's not one that I thought of, and and it. My initial response was no. I I think Patino would benefit from you know the whole season, but then again, like I feel like Lecongo would also seriously benefit from a bit of football. But then I also think that he, it has to be a club where he'd play every single game and you almost want him to do what Nuno Tavares did and and like Saliba in the past and go to a club early in the summer bed in and have a full season under the same manager at the same club which i think is the most likely scenario unless we you know get an offer for him in the summer for a permanent deal which i think we wouldn't be too opposed to doing um but yeah i think i don't think leconga will be moving on in january um And as we know from the Amazon documentary, he's definitely a player who struggles for sort of motivation and confidence, perhaps when he's not playing, Um, he's not used to it. And he sort of expects minutes, more minutes, um, and finds it difficult when he's not playing. So that's definitely one to sort of keep an eye on. Um, The other player who I was going to mention, who I thought was, you know, reasonably good, but I think it's becoming more and more evident as time goes by that this Arsenal side is sort of evolving away from Kieran Tierney, and his qualities. I think he's, you know, still a very good player for what he does. But, you know, the way that Zinchenko plays, um, and even when Tomiyasu has played at that left back position, Tierney just is not that sort of player. And I think it looks as if he's realizing it. And the manager by his, you know, selection and then substitutions is also realizing it. And I think we're now picking up on the fact that Tierney could maybe be someone who wouldn't be content with being this kind of squad player moving forwards because I think he's too good for that. And I think his qualities would suit another team really well. So that I just think would be something to keep an eye on in terms of the summer um, because I'm sure, yeah, that's something that maybe Tierney would be thinking about because he knows that he's not going to be first choice. Having said that, you know, Zinchenko's injury record (laughs) is not the most reassuring. So there's still going to be minutes there for Tierney, I think, moving forwards.
2: Neither is Tierney's injury record, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But I I think Tierney will go. And I think, because he did sign, obviously, a new contract very recently. Um, I don't know if... I think, probably in Arteta's mind which we didn't really realise at the time, that was to protect value rather than to, you know, have him stay on as as a first-team regular. Technically, I mean, technically, he's never been sort of like a brilliant footballer. We've just always had much, much bigger issues to address than his technical limitations. And then what happens is all of a sudden like we've done over the last 18 months, make huge, huge strides forward. And then what was a really small issue becomes actually your only or one of two or three smaller issues, but still issues that you can then um, sort of focus on and, and, and improve on, which I think is the case with Tierney because as you say, I mean, he's a fantastic 1v1 defender. Very, very, very good. Very difficult to dribble past. Very strong in his jewels, Aerially for his height. He is good going forward. He's got a fantastic final ball. He's actually got a decent shot, as we've seen. I think he scored a really good goal away against Norwich last season uh, on mm. Boxing Day, where one five nil uh, away from home. He scored a fantastic finish, and actually, in the Europa League this season, it was. A home game. It was a shot that actually hit the post, and I think then rebounded out to Inketia, who scored. So he's technically he's he's uh, he's not like awful by any means, but you then put him next to an elite uh, technician like Zinchenko, and they look leagues apart. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear how Arteta wants this Arsenal team to play. Which is with his inverted fullbacks and and Tierney cannot do that. He can't, he he's great going wide, overlapping, if he's got a few yards of space. But if you're looking for him to play in pockets in and around sort of the central midfield areas, especially in your own half, where if you lose it, that's a big, big risk. It's not is not dependable. I don't think he's confident enough in himself. And actually he's a player that we could sell for a very good fee. And everyone sort of parts ways mm. as friends. Uh, I think the fan base really like him. I know all of sort of the older fans like my dad and a lot of my dad's friends who are long Arsenal fans, they love him for his combativeness and his sort of grit and and uh and passion quite sort of extroverted passion whether that's sort of pitching up to west brom while it's snowing with short sleeves on those kind of thing displays Mm. of of passion and scottishness but actually i think it's a logical step that he gets sold which it's fine we we, will have to make peace with that
0: yeah i think Again, like Lacongo, I don't think he's going anywhere in January, and it's maybe something to consider in the uh-huh. in the summer. But I think yeah, it's it's becoming more clear that he's not someone who can do that inverted role as much as he might try. Um, but look, let's let's uh, there's one more thing that we should talk about from the Oxford game, which is sort of tra- then we can transition into the the next moment of discussion, um, which is Emil Smith Rowe who got. I think, about 15 minutes. Um, He's obviously been out for a long time. The groin issue that he's been suffering from on and off for like the last four years, ever since he went on loan to RB Leipzig. Leipzig. And, you know, he looked looked pretty fit. He was definitely a bit rusty, but it was brilliant to see him back on the pitch. And it sounds from all the sort of talk, you know, from him doing an interview on Arsenal.com, Arteta's comments after and before the game, that they've really managed him quite carefully and well. And this surgery on the groin issue looks to have been something that was overdue, but also hopefully going to, you know, stop the problem. And so now it's just about keeping him fit and sort of slowly building up his minutes. And I think it was just great to see him back on the pitch and, you know, God knows that we'd, we're going to need him in the second half of the season because he almost is, that classic saying, like a new signing because he's not really been around uh, for the first half of this season. I mean, he was barely around for the second half of last season. And even at the first half of last season, you know, he was playing a lot of minutes, probably too many minutes, and then he was sort of reduced to a an impact sub role. But, you know, that's that would be great. That would be great if he could, if he could return to that even for the rest of the season, if that's what his body can manage. Um, but he's gonna be vital, isn't he, to sort of add an option to that frontline rotation, but also, you know, in the midfield roles, uh, if you know, we, we, we need him to there and also his goals as well. His goals and end product, I think, is gonna be gonna be most welcome if he can get back to that level. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
2: look, I'm not sure he will well, I think. Obviously, he will at some point get back to that level, but I don't think it'll be anytime soon. You see, I think we saw that technically he, he looked quite rusty uh, against Oxford, although I think that was also down to the pitch and the conditions and a few other factors. But yeah, like you know, there was an argument to really be made that up until January of last season, the 21-22 season, he was our best player. Mm. Uh, he was our top. I think he out. Did he outscore? I think Saka outscored him by one goal maybe in the league last season, but he was leading the way for a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, I remember yeah that North London derby that we won 3-1 where they both scored uh, at the Emirates. It was not, oh, Saka's the clear superstar and Smith-Rowe's the understudy. It was they were neck and neck. They were both in the England squad. Um, obviously, Saka went to the Euros that summer and, and Smith-Rowe didn't. But actually, they they both started the season in exactly the same vein of form. If anything, I think Smith-Rowe, there's an argument. Potentially started brighter. I remember him scoring a fantastic goal against Aston Villa. He won us the game at home to Watford 1-0 with a great finish from just outside the box that fell to him. We beat Leicester 2-0 at the King Power. And he scored the second goal in in that 2-0 win, which really killed the game for us. And that was a Leicester side that are very different to the Leicester side this season. That was a Leicester side that really hammered us in the second half in terms of chances and shots and possessions and forced some world-class saves from Aaron Ramsdell. Uh, and without that security of the second goal that um, Smith-Rowe provided, we, we could have conceded and caved and ended up drawing or losing um and a few other goals obviously there was a period of time where he was coming off the bench three or four games in a row and scoring and as an impact sub so at least you know we, there's the evidence there that he can do this and he will definitely be um as you say like a new signing for this second half of the season which we're approaching hopefully he's uh you know he's able to get some more minutes whether that's coming on in the league as a sub whether that's starting, I mean, he'll hopefully start the fourth round of the FA Cup, he'll probably start the Europa League games. And then and we um we'll be able to see the best of him because he, he you know, it's not like he's been missed and like our performances haven't suffered. We're you know, we've still made our best ever start to a league season, but not having that depth has been an issue. And so getting it back is uh is really vital and important for us. So, no, that's just why I stand on um, on the Smith-Rowe sort of situation right now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a positive one to have him back, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we spoke about adding Smith-Rowe to the forward rotation. Let's talk quickly about the January transfer window. Uh, we're sort of, we're, we're almost two weeks in. Nothing happened yet on an Arsenal front. Uh, João Felix has joined Chelsea on a loan deal. Um, it was te- I think around a 10 million loan fee plus 270,000 pounds a week, uh, salary paid in full. Which I think Arsenal and Manchester United, who were the other clubs interested, sort of didn't want to pay that much, which I can sort of understand. But I also think it, um, it coincides with our hot interest in mudrick obviously a player we really want he really wants us and talks have been continuing i think it is something that is going to get done just because of how much time and effort and money is being talked about and also you know the fact that the player really wants to join i think that will be key so it looks as if we're going to be paying probably a bit more than we would have wanted to i don't know exactly what the final figure would be but I think reports yesterday surfaced that it would be upwards to when you include add-ons that, you know, probably wouldn't be reached uh without throughout the course of his, his time at Arsenal. But, you know, it could reach something like a hundred million euros. So it will be kind of similar to the Anthony fee and to the Grealish fee that they have been they've been quoting throughout this process. Look, I think the initial fee will be a lot lower than that. I think, you know, maximum will probably be about 70 million euros or something like that. And then there'll be a lot of performance-based um you know incentives and, and add-ons, which but you know, having said that, that's still a lot of money. Like he would have been available, I think, in the, at the end of the summer. I remember Gunnar blog saying that he would have been available for around maximum of 50, 50 million pounds or something like that. I know there were bids being put in for him by Brentford. Um, I know we were interested in him towards the end of the window and, and maybe would have gone ahead with it if it wasn't for the kind of panic stations, let's sign Douglas Louise but what's your view on Madrid, quickly before we um sort of talk about arsenal's recent form and preview the next few games um, what how do you feel about it are you excited is it too much money or is it just a case of we need to get it done
2: uh all of it all of that that's exactly how i feel i feel like we need to get it done it's too much money and i'm excited that i think that's how i and i think that's how every arsenal fan or every engaged arsenal fan feels Clearly, he's an incredibly talented, raw, talented, young footballer, lightning pace of which we have not had really since the days of of young Walcott. Uh, But actually, physically, looks like he's much sort of broader and stronger than than Theo was. I think it's much too much money, though, nearly 100 million euros for a player that's had about 40 professional appearances, yet to score a goal goal for his country and only had seven or eight caps but you know market forces dictate that right wingers who are particularly skillful and under the age of 23 tend to go for upwards of 75 80 million and um and arsenal don't operate in a bubble or a vacuum so i guess we're, we're we're affected by those market forces and um and yeah, and I think we need to get it done because we can see that we we lack depth and Saka shouldn't be starting as Oxford United. I I personally would have started Marquinhos. I think Reese Nelson, if he was fit, would have started that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not, and and we need the depth. So in summary, I'm I'm all three. I'm, I think it's too much money. I think he's a fantastic player and will evolve into a world class player. And I think we need to get it done immediately. And I understand the contradictory nature of those statements, but it's sort of the position that we're operating in at the moment. So there's not more that can be said, really, from my point of view.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I just think it's a deal that needs to get done. I hope that the club structure it in a way that the media can then find a way to not kill the player before he started playing because, you know, he's only 22. He will take time to adjust. We do need him to make a, a a sort of immediate impact as a rotation option. But, you know, look, he's a really exciting player and sort of one of Europe's hottest young forwards. And the fact that he really wants to come to Arsenal is perhaps uh, too good an opportunity to pass by. So we'll keep an eye on that. I do think it will happen, but let's just wrap it up, please. Right. Let's talk quickly about Arsenal's recent form we beat West Ham, we beat Brighton, and we drew with Newcastle. I think, as we said before, Eddie and has stepped up in uh, Gabriel Jesus' absence with some goals, some good linking play. Um, I think he's looked really good, which I had faith that he would. I think a couple of players have looked a bit uh, shaky or sort of lacking the sharpness that they had before the World Cup, in particular, William Saliba. I think even Granit Xhaka has been great, but I think he has lacked, he looks a a tiny bit drained. I thought he looked really good when he came on against Oxford, but he hasn't quite quite had that dynamism that he had maybe in the first half of the season. Having said that, you know, someone like Martin Erdegaard has been absolutely brilliant. So look, if I had said to you before those three games, you get seven points from nine when you've got to play Newcastle at home and Brighton away, how would you have felt?
2: I, I think you you would have taken it. I think it's the minimum you would have taken yeah. is seven. The maximum is obviously nine. Um, I think I think we've played very well. I think actually I did what I did watch which is Newcastle Leicester last night in the Carabao Cup, and you just saw Newcastle attack Leicester for the, like the whole game. I did. Leicester barely got out of their half. Mm. They were all over. Them. Uh, and that's how i've watched newcastle play quite a lot this season and they did nothing like that to us they they were the opposite they, they were they were the Leicester and we they couldn't i think they recognized within the first 10 15 minutes of that game how superior we are in terms of attacking quality in terms of pace of movement pace of passing off the ball on the ball and and they didn't sort of recline into a into sort of their shell, but they they stepped back very consciously and, and gave up territory and said, we're going to sit in and be hard to break down, which, from credit to them, they are. They have very good defenders. So, it's credit to us how good we are now that really, I think, aside from Man City, we're, we're the best team in the league from a footballing perspective and hopefully that will um, sort of bear true come the end of the season when we'll be either first or second. So, yeah, seven points was was okay. We need to take no less than four points from our next two games, uh, and then uh, aside from obviously playing City fixtures, slightly more digestible. I think we go away to Everton. We host Brentford. Those should be two games that we win, and then obviously we're uh, we're at the uh, at, at the know They're coming to Arsenal for uh, for for that game which is in the middle of February
0: I just want to pick you up on something I want to pick you up on something that you just said which I think you're right I think to expect or hope for four points from the next two games is definitely something I'd be looking for as an optimistic Arsenal fan I mean six would be incredible but you don't think we're going to win the North London derby so how are we going to get four points from uh Oh, but no, sorry. You you think we're gonna lose the Northlander Derby, don't you? So, so yeah, how are we gonna get four yeah. points?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't uh, think we'll get four points. I said, but I four points is the minimum. I think we'll probably get three. But setting us get, setting
0: us up to fail there.
2: I, I will be over the moon. Um over the moon if we if we're able to avoid defeat at, at uh White Hart Lane and then United come to Come to the Emirates. We've been very good at home this season. I think we've got enough to beat them. Having but... said that, they've
0: they've looked brilliant recently, and also they, they know how to play against us. You know, they beat us earlier in the season. They will sit back and look to counter with Rashford, who's in brilliant form. But I I agree, it's it's a game that I'd sort of expect us to do well in and win. And the Spurs game, I think it's a good opportunity to play them, just because well, when is it ever a good opportunity to play Spurs at their place in a North London derby? But I think because, mainly because we're playing really well, I think you'd like to think that we have a good chance of of uh, getting a decent result there. But having said that, you know, even in the return game earlier in the season when we won 3-1, you know, there were there were moments where they could have run ragged Um and we were lucky that they didn't have Kulusevsky fit. So I'm hoping he's not fit either. But um, yeah, quick prediction then for for the North London derby. 1-1. One, 1-0. One. One, yeah, I'll go for a 2-1 Arsenal win. But look, we're going to talk more about that in uh, part two. Tradition says that that sums it all up. Eyes Whilst normally only inviting Arsenal fans on does invite a Spurs fan on for for the North London Derby preview podcast. So I'm delighted to welcome onto the show today, Ali Tweedale, who is the lead writer of The Coach's Voice. Hello, Ali. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Hi, Alfie. Yeah, thanks for having
1: me. Um, I'm all good. Uh, North London Derby week is always uh, an unpleasant time, Uh, but yeah, (laughs) as good as can be.
0: It's strange, actually. I don't know about you, but like, I think maybe because it was FA Cup, this weekend, I haven't really started thinking about the derby too much. I'm not really like in that zone. I mean, normally I get quite nervous and and sort of um, anticipating it and looking forward to it. But then actually, this this I haven't it hasn't quite hit me. Maybe because it's only Tuesday. I don't know about you.
1: I mean, I switched off from football a little bit on uh, the FA Cup weekend. Uh, yeah, same. And, I think. And I think the North London derby has been staying for uh, front and center of my mind. Uh, just the, the FA Cup early rounds just don't do it for me.
0: No, um, they really don't, do they? Yeah, uh, I'm um, with
1: you. But yeah, uh, no, I'm. Uh, I I I have been thinking about it. The fact it's uh, it's the derby on Sunday
0: for sure. It's pretty large, isn't it? Well, as we're as we're talking about that, our 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 co-host Johnny has joined the call, so we'll welcome him onto the show. Hello, Johnny! Nice of you to show up. You're doing something more important than talking about the North London Derby. What's, what's going on? How are you, Johnny? You're right.
2: Yeah, I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Where where are you at the moment? Are you in London or are you in the? Country? Yeah,
0: in London at the moment in Wills in Wilsdon Green, um, nice. hunkering down, keeping keeping myself quiet during January. Doing bits and pieces of work, um, and looking forward to the football, of course. Uh, but yeah, Ali and I were just talking about the uh, the upcoming North London derby. So he says he's been stewing on it already. So I actually, I am just gonna pick his brain and sort of get at what what exactly comes to, to comes to the forefront of your mind when you think North London. Der- like, what's the first thing that comes to mind, Ali, when you are when you are thinking about Sunday's game?
1: I mean, it's never pleasant is it it's never ever ever pleasant um Johnny holding up five and two uh fingers uh which I I we all we all know the reference references unfortunately there are two references um, plural yeah uh yeah it's just never pleasant um even even when it so it's I don't know many games where home advantage is so important um mm-hmm but even when it's spurs at home i still just don't enjoy it at all um being a goal ahead is unpleasant because he's got something to throw away being goal behind is horrible it it just it's just not pleasant the entire day is horrible also it's a 4 30 kickoff so usually it's like saturday 12 30 isn't it so you at least you get it over with but this one it's like having an exam in the afternoon you just want to get it out of the way so that you can go about your life um so yeah, that's that's my kind of overriding feeling. Yeah. But that that's that said, like I say, the home home advantage is a big thing. So uh, it it can be and potentially could be a very very good day for Tottenham.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's normally the home team wins. That's just how it is. And sort of, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche to say form goes out the window, but it, it sort of does in a way, just because the home team always seems to prevail. I mean, I can't remember the last time the last time Arsenal won at. Your place was two thousand and fourteen. Thomas Rosiski yeah. screamer. Yeah, I mean and apart Spurs from.
1: Was, Spurs was two thousand and twelve. Unis Cabul when we came Kabul. back from two three two. Down. Yeah,
0: I think I think Marouane Shamak scored for Arsenal that day, perhaps, or maybe I'm thinking of a different time. But yeah, that just goes to show it's been a while since either team has managed to do that. Um, and I mean, we only have to go back to last season to sort of, I mean, look at how. Yeah, the home team wins. You, you. Uh, that was an unfortunate day. That was. <laughs> I remember going to a. I went to an Arsenal pub in Finsbury Park. It was good for 15 minutes from an Arsenal point of view, and then, uh, well, we sort of imploded or whatever happened, and you guys won. I think it was 3-0 in the end, sort of securing your place in the top four over us. I mean, that was a big derby, um, and yeah, Spurs ran out winners as they tend to do at home. So. What, what do you think, Ali, will kind of... Do you think something similar could happen this year? Or do you think it's going to be quite a different story based upon maybe what's been happening so far in the new season?
1: No, I, I think that game was pretty much a one-off, wasn't it? You, the way that Arsenal imploded was, it's not going to happen again.
0: Uh, it crazy. better not.
1: <laughs> it was just crazy how that, how that happened. Um, and obviously, Arsenal are a better team. Uh, at the moment, um, a year on or however long on. Um, So no, I don't see anything like that. But like you say, it was a really, really big game, uh, bigger than this one, even though uh, just because the teams were so close together, um, it was bigger for both teams kind of thing. Uh, the, The only real motivation, obviously there's always a motivation to win for Tottenham, but the main motivation this weekend is to, Throw Arsenal's title challenge off um, rather than actually doing anything for themselves. So it's I think last season was a bigger game. It was more like a cup final, whereas this one is just Arsenal are going for the title, and Tottenham don't want that to happen. Um yeah. and Tottenham dealt with that pressure better than Arsenal on, on home on home soil. So yeah. I think that does bode well for Spurs. Um but like I say, Arsenal are much better team this this time around um and we'll be better equipped to deal with any uh sort of things that start to go wrong um unlike last time
0: so is that uh johnny i'll let you jump in in a second is that the sort of consensus do you think among spurs fans that this game is sort of it's obviously a north london derby but the main kind of thing is to halt the the procession the uh know the title charge which I think Arsenal fans are still kind of struggling to come to terms with I mean struggling sounds a bit bit negative but like we I don't know from where I'm sitting I'm still sort of just taking it game by game enjoying things but I don't really see it as like wow Arsenal are going to challenge for the title because we're not even halfway through the season yet but is that the kind of consensus among your your Spurs fan community that that Arsenal are, are seriously at a place now where you know they win against they win at your place on the weekend and then you know c- could the title be getting getting closer
1: no i don't think so um mm. and i i still think that uh well city are favorites with the bookies and i still think that they'll win it um i just don't think arsenal have the depth for it but i think in the immediate term tottenham's motivation uh for sunday is to derail arsenal as soon as possible Mm. rather than rather than it come the wheels coming off in march or april um Mm. i obviously spurs fans just don't want it to happen either way but i think like i just think that when it comes to sunday the thing that tottenham fans will be most happy about is if is is city getting a chance to gain ground on on arsenal I think Spurs are well in with a shout of getting top four, but Tottenham getting top four and Arsenal winning the league is a bad season for Tottenham, um, or well for Tottenham fans. I'm sure Tottenham, the club, would be happy if we get Daniel Levy would be league. fine with that. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll be they'll be fine with getting Champions League football if that happens. But I think for Tottenham fans, it's kind of like a anything but Arsenal winning the league really. Um, there's probably lots of fans that would rather come fifth if Arsenal came second, uh, than than come fourth and and Arsenal win the league. But uh, no, in answer to your question, I don't think um, I don't think that that's I don't think that Tottenham fans are gen- genuinely concerned that Arsenal are going to win the league yet. But we want to win on Sunday to reduce the chances even more.
2: I think I think what's interesting about that and that what Ali's just said sort of ties into what I was going to say and sort of ask Ali for his Tottenham take on is actually the narrative around Spurs uh, definitely since we've come back from the World Cup has been a bit down a bit sort of well they're not performing that well is Conte going to stay is he going to sign a new contract but actually correct me if I'm wrong Ali but you had your best ever start to a Premier League season earlier this season and if you do beat us which I you know as Ali Alfie can attest to, I'm a bit more pessimistic than him and I think he will beat us. Um, you'll be eight points behind us and I think you'll definitely finish top four this season as well. Is is too much being made of recent results and you know, has the good work and the progress that Conte has been done being overlooked and is part of that to do with the fact that Arsenal have just had this remarkable start to the season? It's the best start we've ever had in our club's history by a long way, much better than where the Invincibles were after 17 games and actually, let's say you you could were two or three points behind Arsenal going into this game and could lead for us with a win would the general narrative around Spurs be better, would Spurs' fans perception of how they've done so far this season be more optimistic than it has been?
1: Um, I think the main problem is uh, the football that Tottenham are playing mm. so, mm. Uh, like you say it's been a points wise it's actually been a pretty good start um are very much in with the shout of getting top four um i mean we're only short we're not far behind newcastle who are sort of have, there's a very positive feeling around them um the the concern is how bad some of the fo- some of the games have been um and when it's when it's boring and you're winning it's kind of like that's fine when it's boring and you're losing it's absolutely horrendous um and it's just crazy I don't know it's just like the 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 difference between this season and the end of last season when Tottenham were absolutely flying and playing amazing football and that Kulisevsky son Kane front three was just unplayable no one could handle them um so I think the the difference the kind of how much it's dropped off the quality has dropped off is is what's concerning um I guess on the flip side, you've probably got uh quite a lot of fans who uh I mean most fans will feel like that, but I think some other fans you'll still have quite a lot of fans who who are thinking, well, Tottenham are just outside the top four. Um we've had really bad injury problems um this season. And Conte uh Conte always has a sort of set 11 12 13 players that he really likes it was like that when he won the league with chelsea and they just got really lucky with injuries it's the kind of injury uh it it and and tottenham just haven't been able to deal with that when you when you lose richarlison and Kulisevsky from the front three um and there's players like son completely out of form um it, you can understand why they're not doing so well so I guess the the flip side of what I was saying before is that um there is a huge there is huge potential there there's a big there's a high ceiling for how good Tottenham could get could be mm-hmm. um so I suppose some fans might still be optimistic that we could reach those Heights again
0: I was just gonna say I think there's also a consensus that you know with Antonio Conte, you, you sort of have it as a microcosm in in the game. It's it's that the first half is is quite drab and dreary, and then in the second half, you know, you sort of up the intensity. Be that because you're a, a couple of goals down or or whatever. But there is an idea that maybe Conte's teams are sort of conditioned to have a strong end to the season. I've seen that reported by quite a few people that you know the training and the the, the regime that he sort of rules is is sort of focused on making a strong finish to, to the end of the season which we saw last season um you know you were out of the out of the european competition and um yeah you had a really strong end to the season so look the po- the, the the football hasn't been amazing i mean as arsenal fans you know we we lap it up it's, it's great but the points have still been you know relatively consistent harry kane's having a brilliant season in front of goal Um, If it wasn't for Erling Haaland, you know, he'd he'd be getting a lot more sort of press and and, uh, attention, I think. It's sort of gone under the radar a bit. And um, yeah, so, you know, you've got, you put yourself in a decent position. It's just now whether you can sort of kick on in the second half of the season, which we're not even at, by the way, um, such as the weird truncated season that we've had. But I guess the kind of poor quality of football and some of the results and just the general mood around the club, is kind of draining that optimism away that maybe it will get better in the second half of the season. I mean, again, as an Arsenal fan, I'm pretty convinced that I don't see a sort of improvement coming in the second half of the season, but that's my bias talking, you know, you've had injuries to key players. Conte is a very experienced manager. You've got some experienced players in there. So so maybe it is just a case of things are going to get better i mean son has been really out of form and the, but then we saw how hot he got at the end of last season for example so are there just these these sort of i mean pretty major things that you've been without that haven't been going away that maybe you know for example on sunday if a few of those things slot into place then you can really think like wow this is a this is a chance to sort of kick start the season and um yeah, it's weird because that is ordinarily over seasons gone by sort of where, how Arsenal viewed the derby. You know, we haven't maybe been playing too well. We've been struggling and then it's like, well, it gets to the derby. This is a chance to start the season. Whereas for Arsenal this season, it's not so much that because we've been playing so well. It's like, we just need to continue this. and we, you know, we need to lay down a marker. So basically uh, at the end of that ramble, my point is maybe it will get better for Spurs. Yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah. Um... I think the Kulisevsky injury is really big um, and he seems to kind of like come back and then have a little another mm. knock, stuff like that. Um, so if he can get, if we can get him back to fitness, I think it will be a real, uh, make a real, make a real big difference. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, he's, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be fit or not for Sunday. I hope you not. Know better than, than I do, but yeah. Um, but he clearly energizes the front three, links play very well with with wing backs, comes inside well. Um I'm pretty sure there's this, there's a good scout report somewhere that, that people can read to actually find out a bit more about his game. Um, which um, Alfie we can link to or something in in the in the notes, uh a, a CV scout report i our plug. Um but Definitely. just before because I'm I'm conscious of time, so just before. Before we go, um, Ali, I was just going to say, just off the cuff, what's your prediction for Sunday, and uh, and also what's your sort of prediction for top four? Let's say come May.
1: Oof, um, I really should have had a think about this. Um, I I think I well, I don't know how why my brain is telling me this. I think Tottenham might do it on Sunday. I think I think maybe two one. You can't um, you can't come on an
0: Arsenal podcast and say that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, 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 would
2: agree. I would agree as it happens. I, I bet
0: you would. You're such, you're such a pessimist yeah. when it comes to the London derby. <laughs> uh, but I don't know why. There's not that
1: much evidence to back up that prediction. So I won't be surprised if I'm completely wrong as well. Um, and top four, I think it will go City-Arsenal-
0: think we're going to come second?
1: United, Tottenham.
2: No No, Newcastle.
1: No Newcastle, no Liverpool. Liverpool -hmm. I I would have put in my top four before the Van Dijk injury but now I think they will drop too many points. Newcastle I just think um, they are very good, they don't have that much depth. Um, It's the same problem with Arsenal I think, like a a few injuries, if you, if Arsenal get another injury on top of um, Jesus, then you're in real trouble. If Newcastle were to lose, I don't know uh, Sven Botman and Trippier, yeah. Ka- Callum Wilson, then they're then they're suddenly in trouble. And Callum Wilson's pretty injury
0: prone. But isn't that just just quickly, isn't that the same for for every club? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I Barman Spurs City.
1: Have, I think Spurs have had that. Have yeah, had that's true. Well, well if you're going if you're assuming that everyone's luck is roughly equal um mm. i think spurs have had their run of bad luck um go, yeah. i think well united united are going in a very good direction it seems um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know would you you now have me saying that recorded and you can throw it back in my <laughs> face in may uh when i'm when i've got zero out of four correct and the title's been won by liverpool or something like that
0: <laughs> imagine um.
2: I, I, I don't see that happening either but, um, but actually I think your top four predictions pretty will be pretty spot on um, I'll be very happy if we finish second and I, and I think on that note it's probably probably a good place to to wrap up Ali because we've taken up already too much of your time so thank you very much for, for coming on and, um, and we'll leave it with Alfie now to, to sign off properly
0: Echoing uh, Johnny there, thank you very much, Ali. Um, great to get a, a sort of level-headed Spurs fans perspective on proceedings before the before the North London derby. I'm not going to wish you good luck, but yes, thank you very much for coming on to the show <laughs> and uh, and giving us some of your your inside knowledge of Spurs and what's been going on. So thank you very much.
1: No, as at all. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you to Ali and Johnny, both of you. Pleasure speaking to them both ahead of the North London derby at the weekend. That sums it all up. We'll return after the Spurs game, hopefully enjoying the conversation. So stay tuned for that. A quick reminder that you can find all episodes of That Sums It All Up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get them. Thanks to all of you for listening. Take care, and we'll be back soon. Until next time, take it easy. Come on, you arsehole. Here's the bold and it's adams put through by bold would you believe it that
1: sums it all